In the middle of a construction site in the Copenhagen suburb of Hallo, a strange transparent bulb is placed. This glass-like droplet is home to garden caretakers who interpret a being of place and welcome the citizens of the area to a dialogue about their community, nature and the transformation of their environment. The site is part of the EU-wide Desire project, designing an irresistible circular society, which itself is part of a larger new European Bauhaus initiative. And this is the Desire Academy podcast, where Desire staff, academics and people interested in the transformation to a more circular society can get knowledge about the Desire sites around Europe. Joining me in this very first episode is the woman at the core of the being of place idea, Madeleine Kate McGowan of the Next Communication and Innovation Bureau in Copenhagen. My name is Soren Bjorn Hansen. Welcome. And hi, Madeline. Hi. Maybe we should begin with a short introduction. Yes. Um, as you have heard, my name is Madeline Kate McGowan. I am half Danish, half Irish. Grew up many different places uh, on the African continent and the European continent. So my life has been uh, characterized by being very mobile, uh, flying a lot, moving a lot living in many different places. And maybe that's why I'm so interested in the qualities of place today and in grounding myself and the people I work with uh, in the place, uh, in the places that we are uh, inhabiting, that we are working with, engaging with, and all the different species that also live here together with us. So at the moment, I am artistic leader uh, in a company based in Copenhagen called Next, and I am responsible for uh, a site uh, within the project of Desire that is a part of the new European Bauhaus. Right. And can you explain a bit more about your involvement in the Desire project? How did it start and, and where did it come from? So I was actually invited to be a part of the the longer process of Desire. Uh, it started as a, an invitation into a digital space during COVID, where I was invited to take part in online workshops um, in uh, shaping the profile of the project. Uh, the EU Commission had uh, proposed this budget and the vision for the new European Bauhaus, uh, inviting artists, among others, into the green transition. So when I saw this, I was intrigued because I have a background in the arts. I'm also a, a stage artist, a director, an artist uh, working with performance art. Um, so I already knew that art and artists had a great potential in uh, the green transition. Many artists have already been working with this for many years. So when I saw that open call, I was very uh, intrigued and interested in uh, taking part in this process. So I actually managed to become a part of the core group who articulated and shaped and defined the DESIRE project and the proposal to the EU Commission. And we won. 
So uh, we can call ourselves uh, a lighthouse demonstrator. And there are six lighthouse demonstrators all over Europe. They are, of course, complex projects, uh, typical for EU projects. Uh, we are engaging in collaborations cross borders, uh, becoming friends with projects and sites all over Europe. Um, and we are responsible for one of the sites of the Desire Project in Denmark, in Herlev, just outside Copenhagen. Many would probably view the Desire Project and, and the whole new European Bauhaus idea as something to do with city planning, architecture, engineering and such. Can you explain again the importance of art in such such a project? So as you may have guessed, the new European Bauhaus is of course a cadeau uh, to the historical Bauhaus school uh, that emerged in a in a time between wars uh, as a very... Uh, visionary, punk and hybrid, radical school of arts in Germany. Um, and as a part of a current uh, exploration of a European identity, the EU Commission wanted to to pay respect to this beautiful time in Europe where artists came together to explore a hybrid expressions and to open that energy Uh, within the green transition. So what characterizes the new European Bauhaus is uh, an invitation to hybrid, to hybrid to hybrid uh, encounters and expressions. So every project within the new European Bauhaus is characterized by collaborations uh, between scientists, architects, artists, engineers, and civil society. So... Uh, citizens that are engaged uh, within these intersections. When I talk about art um, in a context of the new European Bauhaus, it's important to position myself in in my uh, in how I see the potential uh, of art within this uh, movement. So, for me, art is a way of approaching life. Uh, I am not rooted in a tradition of objects, art objects. I'm not here to uh, to 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 pose a project where we don't have art objects. Like I think paintings and sculptures are, are wonderful. But there is also another way of working with art. Art as process, art as a, a way of engaging with the world, a way of seeing the world, a way of listening, an approach to life. And as we are in polycrisis, uh, major crisis, uh, crises are unfolding, biodiversity crisis, uh, the climate crisis, political crisis, um, all of this really calls for our ability to listen, see, approach and engage with in a totally new way. Maybe this new way is an old way, but at least in another way, status quo doesn't work. Uh, so inviting artists into the boardroom, into the process, uh, into the development of projects, not as an object at the end of the project. So art 
as I see it, is not just something that you put in the lobby as a sculpture. Art is not just something you introduce into a roundabout as a sculpture in the streets. It is not something that you merely hang up on the wall. I think it's potentially inviting artists into processes and seeing what happens when this other approach is a part of uh, the process, the project, the boardroom. So I'm also calling for uh, artists having a, an important part of the budget, that this is something that should be paid as a salary, as a budget post um, uh, in within the process. So also when I say art, I'm also talking about um, the use of aesthetic tools. So aesthetics, it's an interesting to look at what that is is because we hear it a lot and maybe some people, you know, we hear it and we don't really understand it. But to put it up very simply, aesthetics is tools to feel, tools to activate emotions. You can also say aesthetics is the perception through your senses. So coming back to all these crises that we see unfold, the climate crisis, the biodiversity crisis, science shows us that one of the reasons why we haven't acted accordingly to the the, the enormity of these crises uh, is that we have been presented with the problem through numbers and graphics uh, and statistics. And actually, we need to feel it. When I say we, I'm... Um, talking about mostly people in the global north because people in the global south have been feeling it for a long time but we we need to feel uh, what is happening we need to engage and sense the issues not just read about them or see them in a in a in a statistic so aesthetics in this sense is a is a crucial tool to uh, activating engagement as we heard in the introduction a part of this And a part of uh, the Desire project is this project in Herlev, uh, a, a suburb of Copenhagen. Could you explain how how this project relates to what you just said and, and what what the location is about? So the site that we are responsible for and that we are creating the framework for is a site just outside of Copenhagen in Herlev. Um, here we are introducing a new character into society and we have called this character the garden caretaker. So it's a character that is uh, re-exploring the character that we know that is the caretaker of a building. So we know this person from uh, from different times where there would be someone hired uh, to maybe live in the building and take care of the functionalities of the building. To be, this character actually, uh, you see this character in films, in books, uh, typically maybe an old grumpy man that chases the children away when they play too loud or uh, that comes up scruffled and, and takes care of your sink when it's dripping. Um, this character has kind of disappeared. A lot of companies own buildings now and uh, the character has become this name on a list that is by the main door and that you can call if something isn't working. So we see that we need these touch points of personal relations more and more uh, as they have been facilitated out of our lives. So we want to introduce 
uh, and update this character. So today we don't just need someone to facilitate the functionality of a building. We need someone to facilitate our relationship with the place and all that the place entails. So that is the textures of the place, the stories, the relationship between each other and the relationship with the species, the other species that we live uh, with. So in Hallo, uh, the garden caretaker is uh, introduced um, and it's the first place that this is happening. Um, so we have made a home for the garden caretaker, which is a transparent droplet created by the architect Christopher Teilgaard. Uh, the droplet is made by circular materials. It's very easy to, to, to build and take down, so it's kind of nomadic in its form. Um, it's transparent, so you can always see when the garden caretaker is working. Um, the garden caretaker is many different people, and in Hallo it's a, a series of artists. What characterizes these artists uh, is that they are all already engaged with place, species, textures, materials, um, and they have they have a practice that is uh, possible to take out of the art spaces. So you can also say that this project is a renegotiation of the contract that the art world has with society, because we are not only we are not only introducing art into a neighborhood, we are taking art out of the art space. So when you're a citizen living in Hallo, you can see the garden caretakers, the artists, uh, unfolding their art practice. Uh, and it's not perfect. Um, maybe one day you come by and they're doing something that doesn't work or they're frustrated or it's messy. Uh, but that's how it is in the, in the studio. Uh, maybe another day everything is unfolding magnificently and uh, the artist is happy. But that's a part of it. It's the process. So to give a little idea of, of these different artists... Um, we started out with making an open call and we, we received 50 uh, responses actually from all over Europe. So that was amazing, but also really tough because everyone was brilliant and we had to choose. And we chose five different artists and we wanted to choose different ways of approaching the place. So one of them, uh, one of the artists, uh, Helene Johanne Christensen, who's a poet and author, uh, works with a method she calls uh, the method of attentiveness. So through writing, she invited citizens to explore the different species of the place through writing letters. So as an example, you could write a letter to the dwarf bat who lives in the trees close to the garden caretaker's house. The dwarf bat is endangered. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, and it's important for the local ecology. So um, imagine that you've written this letter to the dwarf bat. Maybe you get more engaged. Maybe as a child, uh, you would be more curious after re writing this letter. And maybe relationship is more stimulated through this process. Um, the garden caretaker that's here now uh, is uh, David Ronco, who works with sculpture. And he is engaging local uh, human citizens in building uh, sculptures with clay from the place, uh, introducing stories of the soil uh, and making sculptures that uh, become ruins. So they slowly uh, go back into the soil 
uh, but it's more about that collaboration uh, in time and on the place. How have the locals received this idea of the droplet and all that? When working with the place and inviting uh, local citizens to engage, of course, in the beginning, uh, you need to build trust and relationship uh, because in the beginning, there was some kind of skeptical energy and attitude. Who are these people coming from Copenhagen? What is this art stuff? Uh, but quickly, we started uh, noticing that The choice of the title, the garden caretaker, in Danish it's Heve Vat. Uh, people really liked that. Uh, it sparked imagination and it wasn't uh, too fancy, you know. Um, and we very quickly we engaged in uh, communication and relation with all the local institutions. And we started really seeing that when people had good experiences... Uh, the knowledge of the of the project uh, opened trust, and in the beginning, it was hard to to get people to engage in the workshops and the 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 facilitated processes. But now, our schedule is is overbooked, uh, especially the local kindergarten. They are really happy in returning. Uh, we also have the the local social uh, social caretaker education. Uh, which is a big place. There's a lot of students and they are also a returning guest. Um, so all in all, we see that it it takes time uh, and it takes the energy to engage in building relationship. Um, and I think also that the framing of the project, it sparks curiosity. So that in itself is important and it's visible because the garden caretaker's house is in the middle of the neighborhood so you can't help to help to question you know what's going on here so a lot of people walking by they just came by and asked you know and then slowly all these conversations and encounters uh, they they build up and uh, now it's uh, it's a buzzing place we've mentioned before that The Hallow site is also about something you call being of place. Can you explain what, what being of place means and how it relates to what you just said? Being of place is a method of registering place that uh, we developed at Next. Um, it's uh, It builds on or it stands on the shoulders of a long mature tradition within architecture that you before doing anything, you register the place. It's something that you're typically very engaged in when you're a student at architecture school. But then when you go out and you start working professionally, it's typically something you see that is cut out of the budget. And I would be a bit cheeky and say that uh, we are now, instead of working with the genius loki, which means the spirit of the place, which is what you register or you try to register. We are now um, dealing with genius Google. So in a lot of the places where architects are are gathered, uh, you see a culture where because of lack of time and lack of budget, uh, people create buildings and projects from a perspective of Google Maps, which means that you are totally leaving out the bodily sensations 
that you actually can create a whole project, a building, without ever visiting the place. And I've I've uh, experienced this several times, inviting different stakeholders to a place that's being developed, and uh, people have never been there. So talking about place and place sensitivity is is actually crucial right now. So you can say it's 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 inviting an industry to to kind of stop up if it's possible and be and sense uh, in the place um, or to stop up and sense the place that you are working with and engaging with. And also, I have this core sentence as a part of the work with being of place. A place is never a blank canvas. And I think we see that we are now uh, challenging the notions uh that we inherited from modernism uh, and also challenging, I would say, colonial approaches. Uh, If you approach a place that is in ruins, that has scattered uh, grass, uh, plants, uh, animals here and there, and you look at it and say, there's nothing here, let's make a new building. Then you are approaching uh, the place from a, I would say, colonial, tradition. Instead, because we are in a time of multiple crises, we cannot keep doing that. We cannot keep building new and just overriding and erasing what's already there. We need to be sensitive to the stories a place holds, the immaterial qualities. So it's not just material qualities that can be recycled. We can also register the qualities that a place hold that are non-material and work with them. We need to transform more instead of build new um, to renovate. And in doing this, uh, we need to listen to the voices that are typically unheard within a place. So that's what being of place is about. Why is it important to understand a place and being there? Why is it important? It's important right now to challenge uh, the industry of building lived environments uh, as an industry that has become extremely silo uh, organized. So what we see is that um, everyone has a speciality and the different silos uh, have a have a tendency to to circle around themselves. So we see that in construction sites, that uh, the different phases of working with a place and creating a building is dominated by smaller groups coming in when they have to uh, contribute with their specific expertise, and then they leave when their job is done. What happens within this culture of silos is that we miss uh, the perspective of ecological thinking, Ecological thinking is uh, a culture of thinking with networks. Um, In general, a society is challenged by silo culture. Uh, It makes us vulnerable when a crisis hits. We saw it during COVID. If we're too silo-oriented, we have a stronger uh, vulnerability to collapse. So... Within every aspect of society, we have to stimulate uh, ecological thinking. And also within a place, ecological thinking means thinking about more than human, 
being sensitive to the the multi-species community that we are a part of. I believe leaning into the thinking of Bruno Latour, French philosopher and a young Danish sociologist, Nikolai Schulz, that state that the the core existential problem has changed. The existential problem that we have been dealing with for many years now, that we have seen unfolding in movies and books and images, is that of a human being sitting alone, looking inward, navel-gazing, trying to find out what is the meaning of this life. That is outdated. Today, the existential problem is opening up and being sensitive to all the lives that make our life possible. And further, strengthening the habitability of these other lives, which then makes the ground of our life stronger. So the existential core problem today is about ecological thinking, ecological awareness, that we as humans are not at the center. We are all engaged in a complex network of actors, human and non-human. And how does that fit into Desire and the new European Bauhaus? With the new European Bauhaus, uh, I have personally chosen that this is a vessel for us creating a movement. So the new European Bauhaus is not telling me what it is. I can shape and feed this uh, container with ideas that will then uh, make the movement that we can all be a part of. I see the new European Bauhaus as cross-generational hybrid, uh, cross aesthetics, cross uh, silos, uh, silo uh, dissolving, um, a movement that can strengthen the new language that we are slowly creating uh, together as a part of this complex green transition that we are engaging in and with. Returning now to talk about Harlow and the site, I guess it's a sort of crossroads between you, artists, local citizens, inhabitants, animals, uh, but also developers, because it's also a construction site. And what you just told us about some developers not having maybe the right being of place in their mind when developing a site, how did they interact? So the times we're living in... uh I believe, uh, must be characterized by uh, risking ourselves. doesn't matter who we are. So with this uh, garden caretaker project, you can say the artists are risking themselves by stepping out of the art space. Um, the developers are risking themselves by uh, inviting us to be a part of the site. And what I see in the art world is a desire to collaborate Uh, intersectionally, so really working cross-sectors. Uh, what would have been a sellout 15 years ago is now an interesting collaboration. So we see more and more artists, for example, engaging with uh, developers, industries. Uh, there are many examples of even like uh, big corporations having in-house artists working in residencies for many years. Um 
So with the Garden Caretaker Project, uh, the developers uh, on the site were interested in inviting us in um, to see what could open and also, of course, how this could stimulate their value language. Because we're talking about stimulating a sense of belonging. So from my perspective, that is a larger mission uh, that I'm engaging with. From a developer's perspective, it's really interesting because they want the people that move in to stay, right? They, they don't want people to move in and out all the time and, and the apartments to be empty. So, of course, from their perspective within their value language, it's interesting if this can ground people, if this can open engagement and a sense of responsibility um, with the place and all the different inhabitants. So we are also uh, working now for the project to be prolonged. So we, you can say we had a one-year inhabitation that we hope to uh, to make longer and, and to make into three years. So right now, the first human inhabitants uh, have not moved in. Um, and it would be really interesting to see if the garden care when if the garden caretaker is there when they move in, how this would uh, unfold. So an important part of design, an important part of uh, the new European Bauhaus, is also an idea of circularity and the importance of the green transition. You've already touched a bit on it. Um, But maybe you can tell us a bit more about how a place like the Hello site contributes to this idea. A crucial aspect of the Desire project is this notion of irresistibility. I heard rumors that this is one of the aspects of our project that uh, that made us win. Um, so it's, of course, also interesting to really open this, as in the EU Commission, there are people there that see this as crucial. And for me, in my practice uh, with the Garden Caretaker, uh, a notion of establishing and stimulating a movement, uh, it is crucial to not merely work with negations, but to work with positives. And to open this up a bit more, um, the green movement uh, has even though it's powerful and uh, beautiful and organized and there's so many amazing people doing great work within the larger green movement, something that has also characterized it is that there are a lot of negations. Like there are a lot of things that we can't do. And that is fair enough and that is true. We have to change our lifestyle. We are moving out of a time of endless possibilities within a specific idea of what the good life is, to a new time where we have to limit ourselves. But every time you limit yourself, something new happens. And I think as an artist, this is also an aspect that I bring into the, you can say, say the more philosophical aspect of desire. Um, because when you are an artist, you always work with limitations. As an example, Uh, a painter who paints beautiful uh, natural landscapes perfectly that looks like a photograph can do that for 20 years and never never have a breakthrough. 
then this painter breaks his arm or her arm and suddenly can only paint with the arm that is not so capable. And everything becomes a bit crooked and simple and then suddenly she has a breakthrough. That is uh, an expression that unfolds from a limitation. So I think this is an interesting idea to lean into on a personal level. As human citizens, can the limitations that we are now facing become a new creative uh, a spring break, a spring hold, mm -hmm. something where we see new expressions of our life? Um, I know uh, from many friends that have changed their lives uh, radically because of the, the crisis that we're in. Of course, new things happen. Like if you choose not to fly, then go by train and then you experience all these amazing train carriages and you see the continent from another perspective. Um, you choose to start a, a green movement uh, as Endelsko, like uh, my colleague Rasmus Willi, Danish sociologist, and his life is radically changed. But now he finds himself walking around in fields all the time and he knows all these different plants and he knows something about making plants and stimulating soil. So his life has radically changed. So... We need to establish and cultivate a green movement that focuses on what happens when we limit ourselves, not just focuses on the limitation. And this is, you could call this a culture of um, irresistibility. So there are a lot of, uh, well, you mentioned them yourself, uh, these lighthouse demonstrators around Europe. What what would you like these other sites to take from your site and your being of place ideas? So the other sites uh, that are part of Desire have heard me talk a lot. <laughs> uh, I've been present presenting for them many times, and I hope that uh, they feel inspired in this uh, approach to what the arts can do um, to engage artists in the process uh, and not just focus on the art object. Um, but I can also talk about how the other sites have inspired me and us. And we visited, so as a part of the desire process, uh, we have to visit the other sites, which is also a way of grounding us in the places um, within the project. So we visited different places in Amsterdam, uh, in the Netherlands, and uh, different locations in Riga, in Latvia. And the the approach to how to activate a citizen's engagement has been really inspiring. And also experiencing a city as Riga that is beautiful and rich in Art Nouveau architecture, uh, a lot of rundown buildings uh, that have to be transformed, uh, a great potential for... Uh, all these uh, place sensibilities that we are pushing for. And and just honestly, also just becoming friends. Uh, I see this as a proud European tradition, something that I hope, uh, for example, maybe the United States could learn from. I was just uh, in New York uh, to teach at the Pratt Institute, and I asked them if they have any projects that resemble this that we see with the new European Bauhaus, and they don't. So I think it's also something to be proud of as a European. Uh, you can say many things. The European project is not perfect at all. Um, 
It's a project that comes out of war. Uh, so you could call it a peace project, um, even though you can still criticize it in many ways. Uh, it, it has these uh, beautiful uh, methods for establishing friendships cross borders, which is what I take from being a part of Desire. And it is actually working. You know, in the beginning, you're in a room with a lot of people and it's a bit awkward maybe. But then when time goes by, uh, you are, I find myself to be truly engaged in uh, the challenges that the other sides are experiencing and how they are uh, approaching these ch uh, challenges. Uh, in Riga, in Latvia, for example, they have an, a lot of old wooden buildings. And we were introduced to a group called uh, Free Riga, that is made uh, out of uh, uh, young architects and designers and artists that starting squatting, they just started squatting old wooden buildings. And what would happen was that uh, they would slowly transform the places uh, by introducing uh, cultural events, uh, introducing uh, garden cleanups, so green areas that were really messy and inf maybe infected by uh, a culture of drug use uh, would slowly be transformed to enriching cultural events and the gardens would be inviting, engaging, not just for humans but also for pollinators and, and other uh, non-human beings. Um, so they are actually engaged all over Riga and it was really inspiring. They're called Free Riga. You can see them also, follow their work on Instagram. Um, and they, they, in many of the places they live themselves uh, because uh, as many other places, uh, housing is not so approachable when you're a student. Uh, so they live in the places and slowly transform them through being, uh, being habitants in the place. The six lighthouse demonstrators. It's in the words, I think, demonstrators. It's supposed to demonstrate something. So now that maybe you've soon demonstrated an effectiveness or at least demonstrated something uh, with the Hado site and along with the other sites, what's next for uh, the droplet and the garden caretakers? Is this going to be a, a fixture of every municipality in Denmark, maybe Europe or, or what? The next step, I think, after this one-year inhabitation that we have had in Herlev, uh is, of course, that we would love to uh, keep going on this specific side uh, or in this specific side. It's something we have to get used to. We are not on uh, this planet. We are in it. Just as a side note, uh, we are living in a critical zone, uh, which is uh, the air that we breathe. Um, and all the species that we live here with, not on it. Um, but yes, coming back uh, to next steps, um, our vision is that we're we're introducing this new character and we are introducing a way of engaging with artists and inviting artists into uh, lived environments, into the projects from a very early stage, into transformation processes of of neighborhoods, of buildings. Uh, and we hope that the garden caretaker can be introduced all over Europe. It's a character that stimulates relationship to place, to other species, to each other. And I see this as a crucial role right now. The, 
the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis that we find ourselves in, I believe can be summed up by uh, a consequence of a culture of separation, that we have been separated from nature, uh, separated from our body, separated from each other, uh, separated from traditions even. There has been a culture of separation for many years and now as a part of the crises that we find ourselves in, we need to build relationship and truly acknowledge that we are nature. That is not just a, a buzz line, a tagline. What does that really mean? This is a challenge of the imagination. Uh, it's a challenge of engagement. And it's not something that you, you know, now I've said this and it's not just something to be said or written. It's something that we have to explore uh, wherever we are in whichever, whichever profession we we are and where we unfold our daily, daily lives. So to have a character that kind of reminds us of this, that is the garden caretaker. That is the vision we have. Uh, the garden caretaker to be found in, in local communities uh, engaging in this relationship building uh, opening bodily interaction aesthetic interaction uh, interactions through the senses with the lived environments uh, the natural habitats stimulating ecological thinking that is a serious piece of work and it has to be done Uh, it's not a sprinkle of stardust. It's actually deeply rational. So the broader perspective here is garden caretakers all over Europe and uh, inviting local artists into this work, inviting artists out of the art space, spaces and, and making this uh, everyday practice. Madeline, thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of the Desire Academy podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>